He's got a beautiful backswing. That's oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh, that is amazing! Layup with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. Welcome in to the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. And now we are joined by Oklahoma Hall of Famer and Oklahoma State legend, Scott Verplank. And Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. And obviously, we wanted to get you on because... You're pretty opinionated, and we want to get your thoughts on all of the live stuff going on in professional golf right now. But, Scott, first and foremost, we have to ask you about how are you feeling? I know you had surgery recently. Are you, when are you uh, getting back on the golf course? Well, um, I did have surgery. I had a uh, long line of medical health problems, but um, had surgery on my left ankle. I'm, I'm – in a boot for another couple months, so I'm, I won't play golf till next year sometime. But um, I, you know, there's not much I can do about it. So uh, I appreciate being on with you guys. Give me something to do for half an hour. <laughs> well, we definitely appreciate you coming on with us, Scott. Taylor Williams here. I mean, we've had the entire landscape of golf just completely change over these last few months, and particularly with with all the live stuff and with the PGA Tour but all the changes they're going to implement starting next year. So just kind of give us your, your roundabout thoughts on all the changes that have been made to the PJ Tour over the last few months. Well, I mean, it's obviously been uh, kind of it, – it's really shaken up golf. Um, to me, the bottom line is if you're a, a young player or even a, even a guy in the middle of his career, but you're playing well, it's the best thing that's ever happened. Um, as far as if, you know, you, you play the PJ Tour – and you play professional golf to win tournaments and make money. Um, you know, the, the it's been about winning majors, which is the most important thing. But then beyond that, the, the other tournaments are, one, to prepare to play better in majors, but two, is to make a living. Um, you know, and everybody that gets to play is lucky enough to have had the opportunity to, to play and make a and make a good living playing golf. Well, um, all of that just just went on steroids here with this new introduction of another league and, and a massive amount of money. So uh, I wish I was twenty five again. If, if you're if you're looking at it from the financial side, um, all the guys that are like I said, all the guys that are coming up and the guys that are playing well now, um, it's going to be a, a huge you know, increase in paychecks. Yeah, absolutely. And if God, I'm curious, you talked about the young guys. I want to get your thoughts on, you know, David Pooge had a chance to return to Arizona State. He announced earlier in the week he's not going to go back to school. He's going to live. He'll be playing in Chicago this week. We saw Eugenio uh, Chikara from Oklahoma State was going to come back for another year, elected to go to the, the, the live route. Um, do you feel like it's smart for these guys to go get all that money at such a young age? Or do you feel like it's a big risk that they're taking, um, you know, as far as their future in the game of golf, playing major championships, uh, that sort of thing? I'm just curious how you feel about the college guys going the live route, which certainly creates some uncertainty uh, in their future. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it kind of remains to be seen. But this, the, the world, obviously the world is changing faster than it's ever changed. At least it appears that way to me, you know, with, with 
freedom of information and the flow of, you know, internet and podcasts and, you know, everything. Um, it just, I, I, it remains to be seen if they're going to be, you know, whatever you want to say, shut out. I don't think they are. Um, I know if you're coming out of college, um, unless you're Tiger Woods or, or Rory McIlroy or whatever, and you have massive uh, off golf course income from endorsement deals, uh, most guys have to come through and work their rear ends off and basically lose money until you get yourself to a spot where you can break even and then actually make money. So um, if you're a business person, uh, guaranteed money um, where you're not going to have to struggle, at least starting out, is, I mean, that's a, that's a nice option. It's something to be taken seriously. Um, you know, the tour has kind of come up with their plan to kind of alleviate some of that. Um, I think it's about 20 years too late, personally. But they're, they, they have done something. Um, but the tour has been very reactionary and not very proactive. And I kind of think that's how we got to where we are. Hey, Scott, it's, it's Woody. I was going to ask you, uh, there's a lot of rumors about another top 10 guy going, and we discussed it last time we were on the podcast, all of us guys. Um, who do you think? We've all thought it was John Rahm, but if you guys think it might be Victor Hovland, what do you, what do you think? Well, Jim, I, I don't know for sure. I, I, I've, um, I mean, I've, I've watching it and paying attention, but – since I had uh, I blew this tendon out in my ankle and had surgery and doing rehab and all that, I've been more uh, I've been more into that and and golf you know in the golf season when once football starts Woody, golf is is second or third down or, or fourth or fifth right <laughs> and that's why golf has had all this uh, reincarnation of schedules and everything is because once the NFL starts. Um, Everything else is secondary. And, and then obviously college football is right there hot on the NFL field. So um, this time of year is the best time of year to play golf, but it's the worst time of year to watch golf because football's on. So, um, I, you know, it, it, nothing would surprise me. I think if you make a guy a, a you know, generational or, or multi-generational offer financially, and you're a top ten player. You're still going to get to play in all the majors. I I, I really don't see how um, what you know the four major championships are going to keep guys out. They they want to have the best players um, up to this point. It really hasn't mattered where what tour you've played on. If you're good enough to qualify, you're in. And the four biggest tournaments in the world have have no I wouldn't say they don't have any affiliation with the PGA Tour, but they are not run by the PGA Tour, and they do not have to bow down to PGA Tour rules and regulations. Scott, I totally agree with that. I don't see them diluting their own product. Um, I, I heard you mention, you know, this probably should have happened 10 or 20 years ago. What, you know, are a couple specific mistakes that you think the PGA Tour has made over the last 20 years or so? Well, I mean, it's, it's easy to, you know, have hindsight and look back, you know, everything's 2020 in behind you, but just, to, you know, through the years, um, the, the corn fairy tour to me is a good example of, of guys that the tour just has not put enough, uh, money, 
for a long time, the commissioner, he did not want a guy making a living playing the Corn Ferry Tour. And as a player, I was, a, you know, an active player on the PGA Tour for 30 years and never had to, never played the Corn Ferry, luckily. But I can tell you as a player, if you were a member of the Corn Ferry Tour, that is the last place that you want to play golf. Your only reason to play in those tournaments is to get on the PGA Tour. And if you get stuck on that tour, you do not, that's the last place you want to play. So nobody wants to make a living playing the Corn Ferry Tour. They want to play good enough to get off the dang thing. So the tour, uh, Tim Fincham in particular, said, well, I don't want guys making a living out there and getting comfortable. And I thought that was way off base. Um, I would like my last qualifier each year to not have to be, to, to not have lost money and then to have to worry about finances you know starting out a new tour year because that guy might end up to be you know he might turn out to be a superstar if you kind of pat him on the butt and help him along the way but in my opinion we haven't done that very well i completely agree with that scott we we brought up john rom earlier potentially a guy who may be expecting to live he made a comment a week or two ago about how quote something along the lines of we know who's running the show when it comes to pga to referring to Tiger and Rory, do you think that it's good for the tour to have one or two clear leaders running the show, or do you think it should be more of a, more of a group effort, per se? Oh, you know what? I uh, The times when I was on boards and packs and stuff on the tour, you know, where you're sitting in meetings with, with tour leadership, I've always, you know, when I, I was lucky enough to play pretty good in the last half of my career but that happened to coincide with when Tiger Woods turned pro, so the money went way up dramatically. So I was lucky enough to take advantage of a lot of the Tiger Woods money. And I was always like, hey, whatever Tiger and Phil want to do, you know, the, the tour revolves around them. But that they're the ones making the total decision, um, because like any really highly successful uh, person in any, whether it's a sport or business, the bottom line, I mean, I, I love Tiger Woods done for golf and all this, that, and the other, but he's not looking to put money in everybody else's pocket on the PGA Tour. He and Rory are, are looking to start a new venture that's going to make them another billion dollars, which it, which I, if I was, if they asked me to be a partner, I'd be right there with them. <laughs> um, but it, it just, the tours just had a, we've had a, a, a lapse in leadership. And I think this is shaking everything up and we'll see where it all, you know, where all the pieces fall here in the next, you know, six to 12 months. Oklahoma legend Scott Verplant joining us on the 73rd Hall. Scott, I'm curious, let's talk a little bit more about Rory McIlroy because, you know, he's always kind of been uh, well-spoken and all this stuff. And he, he comes out and he talks and gives good quotes. But over the last really six to eight months, he's just taken that to a whole nother level and he's decided Yes, there needs to be someone who is the face of the PGA Tour. I am that guy. Uh, and he's backed it up on the golf course with, with a great summer of golf. He's the FedEx Cup champion now. Are you surprised that he's been as outspoken as he has uh, and that he's been able to kind of carry that weight and continue to play the level of golf that he has? Well, uh, to, to continue to play the level of golf, yes, yeah, because that is a lot of distraction. Um, 
And, I mean, if you're on the board of the PGA Tour, it's a distraction to your golf career, particularly right now because things are so in such upheaval. But, listen, um, if you kind of read between the lines, Tiger and, and Rory have no reason to to not back the PGA Tour because the PGA Tour just just allowed them to make their own venture and basically do the same thing. They're 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 going to use the guys that the PGA Tour has built up and you know allowed guys to make a living and get famous. And now all of a sudden, Rory and Tiger are going to have their own little series and use the exact same guys. So if I was Rory and I had a bunch of great deals through the PGA Tour and was standing to make, you know, a few extra hundred million dollars and with the Tour's blessing and, and they're going to support it. I'm not going to talk bad about them, are you? Go ahead, Woody. No, absolutely not. I, no, you're no, right. Go no, ahead, Woody. No, no, I wouldn't either. But, I, I, Scott, change subject just a little bit because I don't think our listeners, a lot of them don't really know your career the way the four of us do or the people that are really into golf. I I want you to try to explain to somebody and, and it's still to me the most unbelievable thing that you did in your career. I, I tell people all the time that it, I think it is by far the most um, game turning around I'd ever seen because I happened to be on tour in 92 when you were out there and, and you had injuries we had a stat. We didn't have near the stats they do now, but they would tell you who hit it the furthest and who hit it the most crooked. And you finished last in both those categories. And that, to me, was just mind-boggling to think you hit it shorter than all everybody and you were hitting it more crooked. And then to bring your game back to the level where you were an ATM machine. You, you went out and you could just make money every week. You played in Ryder Cups. You played in President's Cups. Tell our listeners, how do you go from struggling that much to now to where you were an all-star? It was strictly uh, health, Woody. I mean, I got yeah. hurt. Uh, my right elbow had a serious condition. And, you know, I've been diabetic since I was a little kid, so I've never been very good at quitting or giving up. or, or So basically, I just beat the hell out of myself and just kept playing because I figured I was strong enough to get through it. And unfortunately, you know, I ended up having, missing a lot, of, not a lot, but I missed about a year and a half from there. And then I had another problem. But um, the, the years that I've been healthy, um, I had a nice basically 12-year span from 13-year span from 19... 19- 98 until 2011 where I didn't really have any problems and my health was good and no surgeries or injuries. And that's for those 13 years is what you're talking about. You know, made Ryder Cups, President's Cups, you know, top 10 on the FedEx Cup point list. Um, And like I said, I got, I timed that up well, not by my timing, but Tiger Woods turned pro during that time. And the money went up, so I got uh, – Davis Love and I got really lucky. We played good in our 40s and got to take advantage of the Tiger Woods money. So it was strictly health, Woody. Um, I just – like I said, I've had something wrong with me from day one, and I've always played through it or lived through it or whatever, and I not, haven't been very good about giving up. Um, that's really not in my mentality. Um, so – I'm just going to fight through it and grind through it. And 
unfortunately, I've had a lot to deal with, but I, I'm certainly not complaining about any of it. A hundred percent, Scott. And you mentioned Davis Love the Third, someone you're very close with. Um, he came out uh, a few weeks ago and said that the PGA Tour players uh, should possibly boycott the majors. Have you talked to uh, DL3, and, and do you agree with him on, on all of that? Um, you know, I have talked to him. We've been trading text messages back and forth. Um, here in the last couple of weeks, you know, he's really into the – the president's cups coming up. So right. haven't been talking about that stuff much, but I, that to me, that was, he, he said something that was not going to happen. Guys are not going to, you know, guys are not going to boycott the masters or the U S open, or I just, that's just not going to happen. In my opinion, I guess it could happen because anything's possible, but I, I indicated that I didn't think that was a real, a great thing to say or even think about but that was also when basically all the spit flaws were hitting the wall all at once and, and nobody in the, the tour was um you know they're grasping at straws trying to find something right to, you know grab hold of and davis is a longtime friend i love davis he, he's been on on the pga tour policy board for 19 years he's made a lot of money playing golf and being on the policy board and, and getting those relationships. And I uh, don't know if I would have said about the strike thing, but I would have the very similar uh, attitude as David Club if I had been able to cash in off being on the tour, you know, being being that close to the people who run the PGA Tour. It, so, and Scott, I, was, I, go ahead. No, I say I don't hold it against him. I think he's. Uh, he's awesome. I love Davis and he's done exactly what he should do. Um, but we all say, you know, we all have thoughts and say things that we probably shouldn't say. And looking back, I'll bet he might regret saying that, but that's water under the bridge moving on. A hundred percent. And, you know, that was just my follow-up, and I think you kind of answered it there. But the player pensions, I was just wondering, you know, if that's maybe why guys like a Freddie Couples or a DL3 are so against Liv. I didn't know if you thought that that was maybe the reason why. I, I didn't know. Well, I don't know. There's a lot. Listen, if you um, – I, I kind of can see both sides of it, um, honestly, and that's just my opinion. But, yeah, I, I don't want my uh, pension that I – worked for 30 years to to get to go away because of live but then at the same time i i'm not against uh trying new things and you know the world's changing so fast um in a lot of sports leagues you know college football and the pga tour are very similar right now there's a lot of stuff going on but nobody really knows what to grab hold of and where it's going to end up so um you know i i, I always think that cooler heads will prevail at the end of the day and both of those entities college football and, and professional golf will come out in good shape yes yeah, going back to the the davis love you, you kind of mentioned he's getting ready for the president's cup and i think one thing that's been very very at least frustrating for me is that going into the president's cup we're going to be missing a good amount of players that should be there because of all the, the live versus bj tour stuff that's going on and then so next year we'll be getting into a tournament that has a lot of uh, importance to you, and that's the Ryder Cup. How do you think this whole live PJ Tour debate is going to affect the Ryder Cup next year? Well, that, that – and, and just me personally, that is one of my things that I'm a little bit uh, worried about – or I wouldn't say worried about, but concerned about. 
Um, the President's Cup is a great event, um, but it's but it's a PGA Tour made, no tradition. It's just made for television. I loved it because Jack Nicklaus was the captain the two times I played. So I got to spend, a, you know, another week with Jack Nicklaus and Barbara Nicklaus, which I look back on and, you know, that was as great as playing in the tournament. Um, but the Ryder Cup's a different deal. Ryder Cup Super Bowl, you know, it's the Indianapolis 500. It's, it's you know, the Kentucky Derby. <clears throat> it is the ultimate team in golf, for sure. But it's I, it's one of the ultimate team events in the world. Um, and there's so much on the line because you're playing for your, your family, your friends, your country. All the things that are really important, not for money. Um, so I do have a little concern about that because you'd like to be able to see the best players continuing to play in the Ryder Cup and the right guys representing the United States and the right guys representing uh, you know, GB and I, well, not GB and I, it's now it's Europe, the European tour and the, you know, Great Britain and the rest of Europe. So, um, hopefully, like I said, hopefully summer heads will prevail and guys will get together and realize that, uh, it's, it's not all bad what's happening, but it would be bad if the writer got compromised. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. I uh, appreciate your time again today. Want to get your thoughts? I'm curious how often you get back to Stillwater. Alan Bratton has a good team once again, even despite the loss of Eugenio Takara. And Ryan Hippel has really elevated the status of the OU program to pretty much year in and year out, Scott, for the last half decade probably. We've got the two best teams in college golf in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, so I'm curious, how often do you get back up to Stillwater? Do you ever uh, have any communication with the team, go up and talk to the young guys? Uh, and just what do you think of the overall state and just the elite level of college golf that we have in Oklahoma? Well, the elite level is fantastic. Um, it's it, it kind of reminds me of when I was in school at Oklahoma State. Uh, OU was the best, the second best team for two or three of the years. You know, they had Andrew McGee and Grant Waite and, oh, I can't remember, Greg Turner. They, they had good teams. And, and it was us and them were the best two teams. So um, that's kind of the way it is now. Um, I was up in Stillwater last week for the Cowboy Pro-Am, all, met all the new kids. You know, a bunch of former players come back and supporters, and um, you know, Cowboy Golf is a is a uh, it's an unbelievable program in college athletics, and it's an un- you know it leaves an unbelievable legacy um, that you know I think is is kind of beyond what most people understand. Uh, but having said that, I think that that uh, University of Oklahoma is building, and I you know they Hibble's done a great job; they're very good. They're starting to build, you know, some tradition. <clears throat> kind of the flip-flop of the football stuff. You know, Oklahoma State starting to build a really nice tradition in, in football. But OU is the, you know, OU is the kingpin. And it's going to be very, very difficult to ever catch them or surpass them in tradition and importance and all that. And that's kind of what, in the golf world, uh, OU's got a long way to go to catch Oklahoma State. But they're making the quite an effort right now and, and, and it's great it's good for everybody I, I love it uh, Brian Hibble's done a great job um, and will continue to do so in my opinion hey, hey Scott it wouldn't it, it wouldn't be right if we didn't have another OSU golfer on that didn't tell us a story about Mike Holder because we've had numerous <laughs> guys come on and we've, we've, we've all had our moments 
with Coach. Oh, and wow. you know, one of the things one of the things though, every player that's ever played for him and everybody that's ever been around him will tell you the one thing about Mike Holder, when he sets his mind on something, you better get out of the way because he's gonna go get it. And and I think that's one of the reasons why he was so difficult at times with everybody because he was he's just like a bull in a china store and he just wants to go. But I'm I guarantee you've got something that our listeners would love to hear. So give us one of your good ones. And Scott, I don't know uh, if you heard the one with Bob Tway, but it ended with a wrestling match in Wichita. Oh yeah, that one's such legendary. <clears throat> There's several legendary ones. Um, fortunately for for me, most of the ones that that really were great was I was on the sidelines watching. <laughs> so I got to, I got to comment I got to commentate on it. It's even better than being in the middle of it. Um, oh, you know what? I have the utmost respect for what Coach Holder did for me as a player. Um, you know, and as a as a young, you know, you're a kid coming out of high school and you're leaving mommy and daddy and uh, you're going and you got a guy who's your now your leader and, and uh, he was tough but in my opinion he never asked anybody to do anything that he wouldn't do and he wanted to do it the right way so that was great for me um, we had quite a few uh, I wouldn't say arguments but we had quite a few uh, disagreements um, always ended well though get along fine and you know the kicker um, what do you know me Sam you know me like you said, I have opinions, whatever. Everybody has opinions. <laughs> but but I have always prided myself on trying to be informed and trying to be smart. Doesn't mean I am smart, but I try to look at things from big picture and be smart. And, of course, Holder's right about everything all the time. So <laughs> we were having it out one time, and basically at the end of the conversation, I said, you know what, Coach, difference between you and me is what's that? And I go, well – we both think we're right all the time, but I know I'm right. And man, he turned about <laughs> he turned about ten shades of red, and he couldn't answer. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, you think you're right, and I know I'm right. So you know what? <laughs> we're going to have to agree to disagree. <laughs> that is good stuff. So, yeah, just the typical stuff. But I see him and, and enjoy talking to him, and, and uh, he's done. In all honesty, he's probably been the most important person um, to ever set foot on that campus because Oklahoma State University has been transformed because of the efforts that he put in building the golf team and then bringing all the money to the school um, to basically rebuild the university, get a football team. You know, the football, the football team should thank the golf team every day for what they've done. So, and now the football team is awesome, and they have a great program going, but it not, never would have happened without the efforts of, of basically Mike Holder bringing all the money through the golf team. So I give him a lot of credit for that. 100%, Scott. I think we all do. Um, Scott, I think you mentioned something earlier that I don't think a lot of people caught, and that's the future of televised golf and streaming and, and being similar to what college football is about to do in their negotiations. Um, what are your thoughts on the future of televised professional golf, and how might that be similar to the negotiations that are going on in college football right now? Uh, well, it is going to be similar, I think, because there's a, an enormous uh, – Untapped, it's not untapped now, but there's an enormous amount of revenue involved in 
what states are now legalizing, which is sports gambling. And the streaming is tied to the sports gambling because you can watch every play of every game anywhere on the planet because of streaming. So, and trying to figure out a way to get a piece of the money that is going into sports gambling will probably end up being more than the media rights. That's just my opinion. Doesn't mean it's right. I do know some people in business, particularly in the media side, that uh, obviously that's where they're headed. Um, I, I, Sam, I think you've been like you've been to the Masters. You know, the Masters is the blueprint for how to do coverage of any sporting event. Totally agree. But golf, but golf is is just they're light years ahead of anybody in golf, and they basically have set the model for how to cover, in my opinion, any sport. I mean, pretty soon you, you'll have a, a camera on all 22 players on the field in, a, in an NFL game. And if you want to watch what number 74 did, you're just going to punch a button and that's going to, you're going to have number 74 on your screen for the, you know, the next 10 seconds of wow. the length of that play. Right. In my opinion, that, that's where I think it's going. So like the Augusta has done, they got every shot of every player. I mean, that is so far beyond what anybody else is capable of right now. And it's awesome. I know, Sam, you're a big fan of the Masters, as I am, too. Um, and I, I think they're setting the – basically, they're setting the model. They're setting the, the standard for what is available and what's going to happen. So, you've never – not to, not to uh, promoting for them because they don't need me to promote for them, but if you've never watched, like, Masters.com or check that out, unbelievable all the stuff and i think that's where all the sports sites are going to be going it, it truly is uh, above its, its time scott for sure uh one thing i do want to ask you about before we get you out of here is all the changes that are going on at oak tree national i do believe it should be opening up here in the next few weeks or so maybe within the month so just kind of tell us your overall thoughts on going to bermuda greens and some of the other things that are going on there. Uh, i think it's going to be a, a, a net positive um if the greens you know, it's everything. You know, the weather. Oklahoma has had a lot of has a lot of say in what happens around here with grasses and golf courses. But um, when it's all said and done and finished and finished up and opened up and in the shape that uh, I know Everett Dobson wants to be in, I think it's going to be fantastic. Um, I think the greens, uh, Bermuda grass, is good enough now and is hardy enough, and we know enough science about it that that it's going to work great here. So I'd say, you know, next summer when things have settled in and settled in, settled, gone on and settled in, everything's grown in, you know, the greens at Oak Tree are going to be running about 12 and it is going to have some serious bite back, (laughs) some serious teeth back in that golf course, which I think will be cool. Um, But all the stuff they've done is, is well worth the wait. And I think it's going to be fantastic. Okay, Scott, I, one last question. I, I, I'd be cheating all of our listeners if I didn't ask this. What You got a crystal ball we don't in front of you, but what, what's your future? What what I know you got to heal up from this ankle, but I know you're getting kind of older, and it's hard to say, I would say, competitive in that fire. But what do you see the next five years? What's Scott Burplank want to do? Well, what do you, I would honestly, I would still – um, since I've always been a competitive golfer and always wanted to compete playing, I, I'm going to want to hopefully make, you know, have another comeback, whatever that means. But, um, 
you know, I've monkeyed around with doing, I've done a little TV and it's, it's pretty fun, but it's also travel. And since they don't have me in the, in the booth on the 18th screen at Augusta, not, you don't get paid quite as much as you would like to. <laughs> so because of the, because of how travel is these days, that's a balancing act that, that I'm still working through a little bit. Um, I don't know. I'd like to play. I, I honestly would like to play more, play in some more Champions Tour events, but only if I feel like I can kind of, you know, if I can get through this and I, you know, heck, I had another surgery a year ago on my shoulder. I mean, I've just been beat up. So um, beyond that, um, we're getting, I'm going to be a grandfather here in about six months, which that will probably take over my life. Um, which I hope it does. What are you going to so, be called, Scott? Have you have you picked your name yet? Is it Pops? Is well, it Grandpa? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know, Sam. That's, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, a lot of a lot of those names, you know, Pops can turn into poops real quick, you know, and, and <laughs> you know, Dada can turn into doo doo real fast. Yep. So you know, I don't know. I'll just see. I'll uh, we'll see. I just. Uh, my son and his wife are going to have a, a, a baby boy, and I'm looking forward to all that working out. Healthy mom and baby, and, and uh, I don't know, Woody. I'll I'll, uh, I'll be in the golf business somehow, some way, in the sports business because I I love sports. I love college football. I love the I love football and golf in particular. Um, and I have a little investment in an Italian soccer team, so I'm doing that now too. So really, I'm just playing sports. Good for you. Well, I can tell you one thing about that grand grandbaby thing. I've got eleven of them. I'm gonna have eleven on the ground here pretty quick because my daughter's having twins. That first one, oh look out! And and you you just fell so far down the list, Scott. Uh, you you aren't even gonna matter when that that grandbaby hits the ground because Kim's gonna love him so much. So don't don't get your feelings hurt, okay? But she's gonna be uh, she's gonna be all in, all in. I'll tell you that. What do you sleep on the dirt floor now? Okay, so don't worry about it. <laughs> hey, Scott, that's so that's your future. I, I'm curious to end the show what you think the future is of you know professional golf. And obviously, there's been a lot of talk whether it be official world golf ranking, you know, not meaning as much in the future, or you know, the PGA Tour possibly relinquishing its nonprofit status or, or a merger, or where, where do you think it goes in Scott Verplank's mind? Uh, here in the next, you know, five to ten years. Well, the I I don't think the tour is going to uh, turn back their nonprofit status. That's kind of what makes the tour go. You know, the amount of money that's raised each week by each tournament. You know, because the tour is a, a conglomeration of of each individual tournament. And each individual tournament, the way they get the purses and the interest and generate income is through the charities and doing things for communities, which, you know, probably goes not unnoticed, but doesn't get as much hype as it should. So it's not going to be, it's not going to become anything different than a nonprofit. Um, I really think there's going to be some sort of, you know, collaboration. Um, and I, I kind of think that the majors are going to steer where professional golf is going to go because, uh, in all honesty, the PGA tour has been a, a, tour around the majors um you know the tournaments are you know the majors pick out the dates they want and then the tour fills in the uh, the dates for all their tournaments 
and everything kind of leads up, you know, to the Masters, and then it leads up to the now they've changed it, you know, the PGA, and then it leads up to the U.S. Open, then it leads up to the British Open, and then the tour's trying to, you know, uh, with their FedEx Cup and with their season, they're trying to make a splash with something, you know, that's not going to be it's not major status, but they've done a pretty good job of garnering some attention. Um, so I really think that, like I said, I think Fred Ridley and Fred Ridley and Mike Wan and uh, probably Seth Watt, the PGA of America, and then Martin Slumbers at the RNA. I think they're going to have as much of a say in where golf's going to go, um, who, you know, how they're going to change. This, the qualifying system's going to change, Sam, as you know, because if you want, the, if the Augusta National or the, we'll just say the U.S. Open. They've never cared what tour you played before. You could be from Mars, and if you qualify, you're in the tournament. Mm -hmm. So I just don't see how they're going to change 150 years of tradition and bedrock foundation of the USGA or the RNA and say, oh, we're not going to let these guys play because they are playing over here. And if that happens, then golf will really be in turmoil. But I, like I said, I think there's smarter people than me, and Calmer heads will prevail, and they'll get it worked out. So real quick, follow up on that, Scott. I'm, I'm curious, if, if the majors are deciding all of this, does that end in a merger between the two, Live and PGA Tour, or do they just you know coexist separately? Well, I don't know, Sam. I think there's a hundred different combinations of how that could work out. I, I think that it might end up with some sort of collaboration where uh, maybe the tour, the PGA Tour, owns the live tournaments that are played in the United States. Right. But the live tournaments are still in the United States and you might have a, you know, a collaboration of, of live players and the best PGA tour players and come up with another format that might even be better than what everybody's monkeying around with now. So that's kind of where I thought it, where I was hoping it would go would be that live would have their limited number of tournaments. They'd have some co-sanctioned events in the United States with the PGA Tour and tour guys would get to take advantage and all the tour pros would all get a bigger piece of the pie with all this extra new money coming in. Hadn't worked out that way yet, but I guess in that respect, I'm an optimist that ultimately smarter people than me will figure out how to make that happen. So that's where, I, that's where I hope it goes. Don't know if it will make it there. If it looks like it's stuck in the mud, then, I'll, then they should call me. <laughs> definitely call scott verplank scott thank you so much for joining us today and thank you for taking the time hey before we get you out of here we got to ask you about the cowboys obviously i've taken some shots on the sports animal because i've been outspoken saying that spencer sanders is the most underrated quarterback in the country i mean what have you seen from your cowboys i picked the sooners to win the big 12 before the season started scott and i already said on air i said i messed up i should have picked the cowboys they look really good well, they, you know, Spencer Sanders uh, has played good. Now, um, you know, he had one pick against Arizona State in, in tough conditions. But, yeah, he's played well. And he's a, he's been there a long time. Uh, he should know most of the ins and outs. So he is a little bit underrated um, as far as what you're saying on the national scene. But I, I don't know. From what I've seen so far, there's four, five, six teams that it's going to be a, a dogfight. And it's going to depend on injuries and, you know, good or bad bounces of the oblong football. <laughs> Ultimately, that's what's going to happen. Um, so 
I think, you know, obviously OU's own the Big 12, uh, but I don't think the dis- I think the gap is much smaller uh, now than it's ever been. So we'll see. It'll be hey, great for it's great for entertainment, right? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, Scott. Thank you so much for joining us on the seventy third old podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Scott, go have a great day, okay? All right, you guys too. Thank you. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. And we are back on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Go get all of your local golf news at golfoklahoma.org. You can see many stories such as the Oklahoma Christian golf team finishing second uh, this past weekend. OCU obviously getting another win in women's golf, guys. And then, Woody, can you tell us about Quail Creek Bank? Always. I love talking about Quail Creek Bank. If you don't want any ATM charges, hey, that's a good bank for you. If you want to talk to somebody when you call that in the machine, Quail Creek can handle that for you. If you're looking for a small business loan and you haven't been able to find a bank that was really looking to take care of your needs, that's the bank for you. We've said it over and over again. Family-owned, family-run bank. Everybody's friendly. Everything you need. Everything you need for your banking issues, Quail Creek can take care of them. Located at 122nd in May, call them. Absolutely. Quail Creek Bank is the best bank in Oklahoma. Guys, how good was Scott Verplank right there? He's just the best, isn't he? And he's opinionated, he gives thoughtful answers, and he's absolutely an Oklahoma sports legend, not just a golf legend. Right, T-Dub? Oh, 100%. I mean, Scott was Absolutely fabulous, fabulous individual and gave some very, very excellent answers, guys. And in my opinion, I think there's a couple of things you said towards the end of that interview that I thought were very, very telling. First thing I thought was interesting was he doesn't think the PJ Tour will give up its nonprofit, which I think is is something that I – obviously he's a lot more on that side than I am, so I would take his opinion over that. So that was very interesting because I thought that that was something that would be a game changer when it came to – the future of golf. So the future, what's going to happen in the next five to ten years on the PGA Tour is going to be heavily dependent on that. And then the next thing I thought he said that was interesting, Woody, was if there is a, a lift to merger down the line, he thinks that a, a fairly good option would be for the PGA Tour just to have an, some ownership or just co-sanction with the live events in the USA. And to me, that's a pretty darn good idea. 
I thought that interview was fabulous because Scott is so insightful. He he thinks about things before he dives in, which is really kind of fun to have somebody on there that doesn't just fire from the cuff. He he really does think about what he's going to say, and I thought his visions for what could possibly happen are pretty doggone good. I I hope somebody listens to him, but hey, who knows? You know, I I think that they're all still in their little. Uh, shell where they're just trying to protect and they're not listening to anybody right now absolutely i can't thank scott verplank enough for coming on the 73rd hole podcast today guys let's get to live golf chicago and dj is the favorite at nine to two smith uh cam smith is second favorite at five to one neiman at 15 to two our man taylor gooch comes in as the fourth favorite at nine to one and patrick reed is at 16 to one that is your top five favorites for live golf at rich harvest farms t-dub rich harvest farms obviously where brad dalkey my former roommate made the national championship winning putt back in 2017 t-dub tell us a little bit more about rich harvest farms it's going to be a tough test for these guys right oh it's, it's going to be exceptionally tough you're looking at the course rating the slope rating the course rating 79.1 and slope rating the 155 we kind of highlighted a little bit a little bit more in depth yeah, you can go 7,700 yards, guys, if it's all the way tipped out. It is a part 72, so there's a little bit of leniency there. But still, at the same time, it's going to be very, very formidable test. And one thing, too, that is very, very interesting about this course is it's on an 1,800-acre property, which is absolutely massive. So there's going to be so much room for all the different concerts and things that are going on for the live. In all honesty, Woody, I think that if I was going to want to go to any live event that's happened so far, maybe besides just the inaugural one, I'd want to go to this one because I think it's going to be absolutely awesome, not even just with the field, but uh, with the test of golf that they're going to have. Very much a proven golf course. We've, we've had numerous uh, uh, different events at this golf course, so we know this golf course will hold its own. It, 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 if they play it, you know, at 74, 7,500 yards, uh, you got to look for the bombers, I would think. Uh, I don't know what the rough is going to be because they might have it up, they might not, but I think this is going to be a very exciting golf tournament. I think it'll be a good one for Liv. Uh, I know they're competing against the NFL, but you and me and all the rest of us guys are really golf fans. I'll, I'm going to watch it. I'll, I'll be tuned into it. Football, I can watch football anytime. I can't watch golf all the time, so I'll be watching absolutely it'll definitely be a two tv weekend with college football in nfl and then live going on on saturday and sunday remember we talked about it on the last show that it's starting on friday saturday sunday sometimes these live events uh try to you know coincide with you know not as many events going on in the sports world but this weekend they had to do Friday Saturday Sunday because Wentworth ended on Sunday last week and they had to give these guys not only time to travel but time to play a practice round as well Uh, so that is why they are going Friday Saturday Sunday this week guys uh, the only change in the field uh, from live Boston is David Pooge from Arizona State remember obviously we talked a lot about him not only during the national championship, but he also played in the USAM as well. Um, he is in this field, and Adrian Otegui is out of the field. So David Pouge is joining Team Torque uh, with Joaquin Neiman, Scott Vincent, 
and Jediah Morgan. Um, guys, other than that, the teams are the same. So do you want to go ahead and start our team draft? And that means that Woody goes ahead and uh, drafts first again. <laughs> See, see, you guys making fun of me, and I don't like that. I got hosed last week, and we both, we all know I got hosed because I picked Joaquin's team, and then I didn't know anybody but Joaquin. Uh, my guy got got a playoff for the tournament. My team still didn't even snip. So I know you guys got a big kick out of that. That's fine. If if I get to if I get to go first, I mean, how do you not go with that Dustin Johnson team? They've only won every week, but I I think they're due not. To win is what scares me. So I'm going with the Aussies this week. I'm going to go with the Australians. I'm going to give one of you guys the four aces or whatever the hell the name is. And uh, I, I should pick them, but I'm not going to. I'm going with the Aussies. Wow. Okay. I'll take the four aces, T-Dub. Who do you got? <laughs> <laughs> Man. What the hard was I thought they were going to slip to me for a second, and then I could have them for what I think was the third week in a row. But, man, two teams I wanted are off the board. Uh, give me Oh, man, I want to go with Sergio's team, but uh, with Abraham Hanson, Carlos Ortiz, and Chikara, but I don't know how that will go. I think Sergio might be a little upset by that Texas game. So go ahead and give me – no, I'm not taking Phil's team. You know what? Give me the crushers. Give me DeChambeau, Paul Casey, Charles Howard third, and Anabon Lahiri. Anabon lost in the playoff. Last week, Charles Howard playing good. Casey's come back from his injury. And I think Bryce has got to start playing some good golf at some point, guys. So – and we mentioned earlier the length of the course. The Bombers could take over. So I might have got, got a skill there in the third pitch push. You could have. Uh, by the way, let's go to the individual tournament here. DJ, obviously the favorite. Uh, Woody, who do you have for your individual champion? Well, there's part of me that wants to take DJ, but I think he's probably – he might have partied with the wife too much. So I'm going to go with Cam Smith. I think Cam Smith's going to put the eyes out of it, and he's going to win does it worry you at all that, you know, Rich Harvest Farms is kind of a longer golf course, has some native grass where, you know, if, if Cam Smith hits a couple uh, wayward tee shots, he, he's not going to be able to find that golf ball, Woody. Uh, yeah, well, I, I figure I'm already buying the pizza, Sam, so I like <laughs> to go out on a little bit of a ledge and try to impress you all with my knowledge because if he did happen to win, you'd go, Woody, that's a good call. And yep. if he doesn't, then you you can bring it up to me again. But uh, yeah, no, I, I as good as he putts, uh, if he can find his golf ball, if he doesn't hit it so far in the weeds, he can find it. I still like him. Okay, I'll take DJ T Dub. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Make, makes it quick again. But I, I think I'm going to get the winner of the golf tournament here with the third pick, boys. Give me a local guy, Taylor Gooch. I, I, I think right. he's going to play exceptionally well. Just finished fourth at Whitmer, finished sixth at the live before that, actually had the lead going into the final round, finished sixth off at the other live before that. And so I think one thing, we look at the length of the golf course, guys, so everyone's going to have mid and long irons into the green, and that's where uh, TG excels at. So I really expect him to play well this week, Sam. Guys, you mentioned Sergio Garcia, and Sergio – uh, let me pull up this story real quick. It's very interesting. Obviously, we talked about him withdrawing from the BMW PGA Championship uh, and then going to the Texas-Alabama game, and Sergio is now facing a fine from the DP World Tour after he withdrew. Following the Queen's death and temporary tournament suspension, he flew back, obviously, and attended 
a football game, not just a football game. It was Texas, Alabama at Texas, and Texas gave them a run. I think Sergio probably made the right decision instead of sitting around and then missing the cut after he shot 76 in the first round. But the DP World Tour says he did not provide a valid, quote, emergency reason or medical circumstance. So now he is getting fined uh, from the DP World Tour. T-Dub, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, you know, one of the things that we highlighted on the last show that really can't be uh, uh, overstated is that this stuff happens all the time. I mean, this isn't something that's really out of the realm. People could shoot, you know, 77, 78 first round, and then something happens. But the difference is that they do a lot of times, like I remember when Rory would do from the Honda Classic like 10 years ago, he said he had a toothache, of all things, a toothache. I mean, give me a break. So, you know, Woody, I want to ask you, being a former tour player, what is the – I guess the procedure like for if something does come up and you withdraw from the tournament, because I, I do feel like that if someone is going to withdraw after 18 holes, that they shoot something bad and miss the cut, they usually have to give some, you know, reason back pain, hip pain, something like that. Can't really just say, Hey, I'm over it. I'm going to leave. Well, I, I think that's what it comes down to is, I mean, you just got to give some, some sort of anything. I, I don't ever remember. The only time I ever remember withdrawing from one of the tournaments, is it was before the Honda. We had played at Doral, and after we played at Doral, we went down into the Keys and went fishing for tarpon and bonefish, and my guy thought it'd be funny to hook a shark. And after four hours of trying to get this shark to the boat, I couldn't lift my arms the next day, so I had to withdraw from the Honda Classic. So that's a good one for you, isn't it? And why what are you withdrawing? Well, because I can't lift my arms is why I'm withdrawing, okay? So, you do you do need – I think the, the reason why this all came about is Sergio didn't give an excuse. He didn't say, you know, my heart's broken because the queen died, okay? I just didn't feel like playing golf. He could have said a lot of things. He said nothing. He just bombinosed. And, and then he's shown – that Saturday, you know, everybody's seen him at the football game, and he's out there giving them the hook of horns with Scotty Scheffler and all that. I think it just irritated the DP Tour. I think that's what it comes down to, and they're going to they're gonna say, okay, you want to play that game? Here, here's a $100,000 fine. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it was everything going on around the tournament, before the tournament, how the live guys fought to get in, and then you have one live guy uh, withdraw and then go to a football game. I don't think they were very happy um, about that. So, guys, obviously there's been a lot of rumors around John Rahm over the past couple days possibly being aggrieved you know, with the PGA Tour and their changes and the quote-unquote Rory Tour, and obviously we don't know for sure that this is John Rahm. Um, but I do need to get your guys' thoughts on it just after our detective work. I, I feel like, you know, it can't be anyone else except for John Rom uh, that these reports are coming out about. And it's not just, like I said last show, where it's one guy tweeting about it. Now it's the whole golf world tweeting about it. And there's new information coming out about, you know, more rumors swirling around the John Rom camp. And so I'm curious to get your thoughts on it, T-Dub, if John Rom were to make the leave, make the jump from the PGA Tour to live, to me it's over with, right? It's over with, and official world golf ranking means absolutely nothing. That's just my opinion. Well, it's it's very, very interesting, Sam, just from the standpoint of I, I John Rom hasn't come out and said anything against the fact that these rumors have been true. They've been going on for about two days now, at least for the – the majority of what's kind of been popping up. So I just, I'm curious if, if it's just kind of everyone piggyback off of the same thing, obviously the top 10 
player leaving rumor came out, and we, we all speculated that it was more than likely wrong. So is that just happening, or is there actual evidence for it? And I do think that it's getting to the point where it, where it may be, especially with the comments that he said, Woody. And, and just, just to Sam's point, it's, it's, it's going to be absolutely crazy if, if that happens because we, we've talked about how many other players who may leave, and I, there's very few players, maybe four or five, that would be a bigger get to John Rom in the world. And it, it's, it would be absolutely monumental for them, and it would just add to the loaded field of field that they already have with. You're spot on again with this. And, and I don't know if John Rom's going, you know, if it's me and I'm John Rom and I'm going, why didn't I go this week? Because Hey, we got four million dollars for a guy that wins this golf tournament, and John Rahm's very capable of winning any golf tournament he plays in. So, I don't know what he's waiting on. Uh, if if he's the guy going, I would have played this week in Chicago. I'll tell you me. exactly That's what he's waiting on, Woody. I'll tell you exactly what, what he's you- waiting on, and and this is pure speculation, so I don't get in any trouble here. But I mean, obviously, he's waiting on a different offer from the PGA Tour. He's saying, "What what can you guys do for me?" Right? Has to be. Well, that'd be the only thing that could keep him from doing it. I, I, but I don't know. I don't know why the, the – if the PGA Tour thinks they're about to lose him, they better do something. And so I, I wouldn't wait too many more weeks. I wouldn't keep letting these $4 million purses go by or this first place $4 million, $15 million purse. I wouldn't let too many go by if I was in. But, but T-Dub, to me, it seems like, you know – We've seen what the PGA Tour can do for the Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy's of the world. And John Rahm's sitting there saying, okay, I see what you can do for these guys. What can you do for me? Right, T-Dub? I, I would, if I was going to speculate, I would think that, that is more likely what is, more, what is probably going on. And it's, how many other players could that be going on for? I think that, that, that what is, what's clear is that there are, there's about 15 or 20 golfers, maybe even fewer, that, that run this game, at least at the, at the highest level. And so it's, it, it just, it just keeps changing every day. Once again, I, I, I do think that we are past the max exodus point. I don't think we'll, we'll get five names at once that are going, but there are going to be sprinkles that go one after another after another. I think that maybe, maybe you'll have five by the time that the year rolls around. It's just they're all going to be in intermittent parts. And like I said earlier, there's maybe five players in the world who would be a bigger gift than John Rahm. And so, if, it, if that is the case, then, then so be it. But even if it is just some other top ten player that we've been speculating on, it's going to be another big game. It's going to keep continually dividing the game of golf until the PGA Tour realizes that this isn't going anywhere. We're going to have to do what's best for the game and not what's best for the pocketbooks. And the odds of that happening are very slim. Yeah, and I mean, T-Dub, it could be a Xander Shoffley. We even heard some interesting comments uh, that Xander made about Phil Mickelson. He really vindicated Phil Mickelson and said the main points that Phil was trying to make and what he really wanted in his vision, you know, maybe we're living out on the PGA Tour. It's unfortunate that he isn't a part of that uh, because it is what he so wanted. And so what I'm saying is whether it's Rom or Xander, if one of these guys goes, I I feel like not every PGA Tour player agrees with Rory McIlroy on this whole deal. I I think that's been very clear over this past month or so. And, and what Xander said is really what, essentially what we've been saying on this podcast, guys, for months. It's like Phil went, went about what he said the wrong way, but everything he said had validity to it. And that's continuing to what he's saying now. And I do agree with, with what Xander said up, that it is sad that Phil isn't on the PJ to able to do this stuff. I mean, 
He's a lifetime member of this generation. He's been the second most influential uh, player behind Tiger Woods. So, yeah, it is sad that he's not out there. But I do think we'll look back on it. It's almost like he's been a martyr in a sense for, for the future of the game of golf and future of the PJ Tour because, I mean, guys, just look at him. Look at how he looks when he won the PJ Championship compared to how he looks now. I mean, it looks like he ate 10 years, and it's been, what, 18 months or 16 months, something like that. So it's it's been a rough year for Phil Mickelson. And it's, it's sad, but, but what he said, Sam, is, it's really just come to fruition over the last two months. Again, uh, what we've said all along is Phil Mickelson, like him, dislike him, and he's kind of one of those guys that can rub you the wrong way sometimes. But what he said, what he wanted to see, is exactly what's going on. I thought it was interesting. You know, Scott said something we said a number of times on this show the tour is still being reactive. They're not proactive. And I think that's something we've all seen and we've all talked about, that if they're going to keep John Rahm, they better do something pretty radical to keep him. And we might not hear about it, you guys. That's the other thing. You, that's what's so funny about that PGA Tour. They can hide whatever they want to hide and not tell anybody, and everybody just keeps their mouth shut. And we might not know. Absolutely, guys. And we have big news as far as data golf goes. That's our analytics website that we use as far as strokes gain goes. And we do have data golf uh, pre-tournament predictions for Live Chicago. Uh, Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith, Joaquin Neiman, and Taylor Gooch are all your top four favorites. However, there's a big drop-off between Dustin Johnson at 11.1% to win the golf tournament and Cam Smith and Joaquin Neiman at 9.3%. Then there's another big drop-off between uh, Joaquin Neiman and Taylor Gooch. Taylor is at 6.9%, nice percent chance uh, to win the golf tournament. Then it drops to Louis Eustazen, Abe Anser, Harold Varner, Paul Casey, Patrick Reed is actually about 21 spots down this list. So what Data Golf is telling you, if you're going to bet on Live Chicago, is that Patrick Reed's a little bit of fool's gold as far as Vegas is concerned, T-Dub. The analysts have been down on Reed for, for some time. And I mean, and you know, in all honesty, he had a few good live events there, but his overall analytics haven't been particularly well. So I, I think that the analytics are pretty much spot on. It's essentially what, what the Vegas thoughts line up lineup being and I think that even though they, it is a very not necessarily best top to bottom field there's ever been but the, the top of the field is absolutely loaded and we saw what happened in, in Boston what what the leaderboard ended up looking I think we're going to see a very similar circumstance this week I'd be fairly surprised if, if Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith, Gooch and Neiman aren't all within the top 10 and all have a chance to win on, on Sunday afternoon. And Woody, we talk about tournaments that have, you know, obviously live or live Boston, live uh, Bedminster, live, you know, Chicago this week have all had pretty top loaded fields. We go to Napa this week on the PGA Tour for the Fortinet Championship. Uh, and it's Max Homa, Corey Connors, Taylor Pendrith, Hideki Matsuyama. That's a big name. Brendan Steele and Cam Davis. I mean, does that get you really excited to watch uh, the Fortinet Championship, Woody? Uh, no. Is that the right <laughs> answer for you? Uh, because, no, it, it's boring. I, I, that will be I, – I, you know what? Don't ask me Monday or anything about it because I'm not watching it. 
what do you think about it, T-Dub? I'm curious to get your thoughts because we, we always talk about the strength of fields. And, and, and let, me, let me give a stat for you, T-Dub, because I'm curious to get your thoughts on this as well. Um, now, this is coming from Twitter, so I'm not 100% sure on these numbers, but it seems like someone did a lot more research than me. Uh, it says... Uh, for the latest DP World Tour and PGA Tour events calculated in old and new OWGR system, this year's Fortinet Championship winner will get 40.5 points. Okay, the BMW PGA Championship uh, will get 38 points, and the Italian Open will get 24 points. Now, the old OWGR, the Fortinet got 30 points, Uh, The BMW got 50 points, and the Italian Open got 32 points. So basically what we're seeing is the Fortinet Championship now is more important than the BMW PGA Championship, despite the the strength of field. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. It's interesting how the the new points are being calculated, really, because now instead of just doing the top 200 players, how many of the top 200 players in the field are calculated, every single player in the field. So I think that what you're seeing the discrepancy is once you get towards the bottom half of, of the Fort, the Fortnite championship, as I like to call it, versus what the B&W championship was, even as good as it was, it, it seems to lean a little bit more towards the Fortnite. And so it's, I think that that's something that people really didn't think would happen, but, but it kind of has. And it's, it's pretty crazy because the, the tops of those tournaments aren't even close. And I, I think you can ask, honestly, any player probably in the world which tournament would you rather win? Every single one of them is going to pick the BMW Championship. So it's, and I'd have to look at purse sizes. Maybe the Fortnite Championship gives a little bit more money. So you'd have some people say that. But at the same time, BMW is such a bigger tournament. So if that is true, that the the on the official World Golf Ranking website, the strength of field isn't calculated yet for the Fortnite Championship as the time of recording. So maybe someone calculated it ahead of time. But yeah, it's it's definitely telling that that once you get deeper into these fields, Woody. The, uh, the bottom of the field is going to have a lot more prevalence than it ever did, and I think it's going to really change the way the system goes, especially over the next year or two. It wouldn't surprise us, any of us, the three of us especially, it wouldn't surprise us if they tried to find a way to mess with these OGRs. I mean, these world ranking points, they know that is the one last sticking point for this live tour. And so it wouldn't shock me at all that they try to figure out a way to uh, take this golf tournament and make it big, point-wise, bigger than it's ever been. And if, if it does come to fruition, guys, if this does happen, now we're really setting a tone for an all-out war because then what are we going to have the next tour event? Uh, how are they going to make that go up? Uh, and they will. They'll figure a way. If that's the way they think they're going to keep these guys from getting their world ranking points, uh, I'm not putting – anything past the PGA Tour right now. I'm not. I think they're up to no good 24-7 to try to kill this live deal. Now, T-Dub, on our one-and-done picks, does that start this week? No, no. The one-and-done will start at the uh, the Kapalua, the, uh, the okay. tournament of qualifiers, as it is now. As it's now <laughs> so, so, no, 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 no one-and-done picks this week, but, uh, you know, if we were going to use someone, I, I guess we've got to go to the defending champion, Matt Oma, right, Sam? No, I, I don't think you go with Max Homa this week. I think you go with Davis Riley this week. I, I don't see a sophomore slump coming from Davis Riley. I think it's actually going to be the opposite. If I look at his stats, 
Every single time he gains more than .3 shots on the field putting, he finishes in the top 20, guys. And so if he putts well, he's going to finish in the top 20. And so to me, I think that, you know, over the last, you know, five events or so, uh, Davis Riley has shown me that he is capable um, of doing some things on the greens that would really excite me and have him have a giant sophomore year on the PGA Tour. I, I expect Davis Riley, I know we'll do our predictions before the Tournament of Champions or the Tournament of Qualifiers, as you like to call it, T-Dub, but my prediction, my bold prediction, is that Davis Riley will be a winner on the PGA Tour by this time next year, Woody. That's pretty bold. Uh, I think you've got the uh, – he's definitely got the way he's played. I get where you're saying it. I, I think and if uh, if we're going to make bold statements, that's as good as any because he's the kind of player that has shown he could have won this year. And if he gets his putter just a little bit better, you might be – he might be a multiple winner, Sam. Yeah. You might look like well, a right. world beater. If he, if he puts the way he did from the Mexico Open to the Memorial, I mean, he gained shots on the field every single tournament except for the PGA Championship where he was absolute zeros, uh, you know, even. Um, he, every single other tournament, the Memorial, the Charles Schwab, uh, the AT&T Byron Nelson and the Mexico Open, he gained more than half a shot on the field putting and he finished top uh, 13 in every single one of those tournaments with a uh, with a tied for fifth and a tied for fourth mixed in there as well, T-Dub. Oh, yeah. No, is that, I, I think Davis Riley is going to have an excellent year. I, I don't think it's necessarily as bold prediction as you may be leading on. In all honesty, I think that unless he – the only way that I don't think he wins a PJ Truman is if he does something – like like Scheffler or Fina did before they started going on their winning streaks, but they were just close a lot, but couldn't ever get over the hump. So no, I, I would be honestly fairly surprised if Davis Riley didn't win with the next calendar year because when you look at top top talent, Sam, when you just look at God given ability, Davis Riley's one one of the best players in the world. So yeah, I think he's going to have an absolute stellar year in twenty twenty three. Woody, do you have a pick for this week? Uh, for the Fortnite? Yes. Um. Do I have to? Well, no. I'll, <laughs> let me let me think Max about that. Max Homa, Corey Connors, Taylor Pendrith, well, Hideki. I, I, I tell you, the kid that I think is going to uh, bust through is that that Taylor Pendrith from uh, Canada. I think he 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 could win the golf tournament. I know he got a big kudos when he got selected to that Presidents Cup, and I think I think that build his confidence. He's been he's been right there, so. If you make me pick somebody, I'm going to go way out on a limb. And uh, if he does win, let me know because I'm not watching. Well, Taylor Pendrith, you know, in his last, let's see, in his last eight events, he's had uh, two or three. He's had three top uh, tied for 13th. He's had a tied for 11th, a tied for 2nd. And a tied for eight. Now, a 68th was mixed in there, but he's played some really solid golf, T-Dub. What do you like about Taylor Pendrith? Oh, Pinder just absolutely bombs the ball. I mean, he just smokes it. And so that, that may come very, very handy in the President's Cup coming up because he was kind of just slotted in there with the, with the guys who aren't playing. But, yeah, no, I think Pinder has, has an excellent chance to play well this week, and I completely agree with what Woody said. I think him getting picked has given him the extra motivation he's needed. And as you've alluded to, Jamie's playing so good over these last few months that I think he's going to keep it going. So, yeah, I think uh, I think Taylor Pinder will probably – I don't think he's going to end up winning the tournament, but I'd have him somewhere around the, the top 15, top 20, somewhere around there. 
Absolutely, guys. It'll be an interesting week of golf with Live Chicago and the Fortinet Championship in Napa. Uh, guys, there was one more interesting story. We saw Tiger Woods uh, back on the range over the weekend at Liberty National. Or, or I guess, was this yesterday, T-Dub? I'm not exactly sure when this was. I'm reading this story right now, but he was out at Liberty National uh, here over the past couple days hitting some golf balls. I, I think it was Monday, if I had, if I remember right. I may be wrong on that, but then, yeah, it's it's just a good sign to see him uh, continue to play. And I, and, and as much as Tiger's been talking about for everything that's been going on off the course, I don't want it to distract from how much we want him to come back on the course and to be and have an impact on the game of golf. And, and so it's that's the number one thing I'm rooting for when it comes. I could care less PJ Tour's live when it comes to Tiger Woods. So. You know, I, I hope more than anything he has a good 2023 and just that we get to see him more than more than three times a year because his health is, for at least for him, it's of utmost importance. So I, I'm just excited to see that he's able to go out there and play, and it's, it's a really good thing. I, I can't wait to see what he brings in 2023. I just hope we get to see him, like I said, I hope we get to see him a little bit more than we did last year. Woody, if you were Tiger Woods' coach right now, obviously you talked to Scott Verplank about his injuries and how do you come back from those and play some solid golf. I mean, Tiger is going through about as bad of an injury as you can possibly go through or a couple of injuries that you can possibly go through. Uh, if you were, you know, advising Tiger Woods right now on what to do, what would you tell him to do? I think it'd be funny if I ever even got that opportunity. I'd probably <laughs> choke like a rat and not even be able to speak. Um, I, again, injuries are such a different thing to talk about because, as a teacher, I don't know how bad he's hurting. I, I don't know what is exactly going on with that body because I'm not the one swinging the club. I think as a teacher, what you do is you ask your students, can you make this move without pain? And if they say, yeah, I can make that move, but I can't make this move. But again, Tiger doesn't need a teacher. Uh, I mean, that's uh, <laughs> that's a oxymoron right. i would have loved to have been tied to t-shirt because uh, that's a bullshit thing if you want to know the truth of the matter so i think what what he has to do as the player as he is we all know how good he is he's just got to figure out how can i make a swing that can produce a good score and i'm not in an ice bath every time i finish and, and it, it might not be possible guys he's got so many things that are torn up in that body it just might not be possible you're 100% right. That's the thing. We don't know what he's going through. And so whatever you're trying to do with any type of swing mechanics at all, that's the number one thing that you have to rely on depending on what kind of swing you're going to build. And one thing we've alluded to also, guys, I mean, it's unless Tiger gets his putter back, it's, it, we're not going to even see the same Tiger as we've seen. Yeah. And number one thing, it, you know, is, is his irons. But at the end of the day, if he's not able to putt right, it, it's not going to come down. Um, but before we get out of here, guys, there's one other thing I have to bring up. And I sent this in the group text yesterday, but – I got to have our listeners know how just absolutely ridiculous this is. And I just have to rant for a little bit. So I sent you a, a screenshot of a tweet yesterday, guys, of uh, a Monday Q info um, at the, at the uh, Fortnite championship. They had Monday qualifiers. So they get done. They have a playoff. So it's, it's four, you have six players for four spots. So you have six players. So what usually happens when that, when that goes down is you're going to have the players are going to go out and practice for a little bit before the playoff, you know, just get, just get loose for a little bit. It's not going to be anywhere close. So full range says so you're going to hit 10, maybe 15 balls just to get a feel. So Monday, he posts this, this video, and it's 
of the six players, one of which is Aaron Badley, a very proven PJ Tour player, and James Driscoll as well, longtime Tour player. And these six guys are on the range hitting balls. And guys, they're hitting off the freaking mats. They're hitting off range mats to get ready for a PJ for a playoff to Monday qualify into a PJ Tour pit. Are you kidding me? And there's nice grass five feet in front of them, Sam. What in the world is going on? I was blown away when I saw that. I don't have a problem with it. <laughs> it doesn't bother me, but that's coming from a guy that had to practice off a mat every single day in college. I, I mean, that you already played all day. It's just, you know, to hit a couple balls to get loose before a playoff. Why do you care where the ball goes? It's just mainly to get loose, right, Woody? I, I sent a text back. It, 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 probably the one one part of golf that people don't realize that, that there's a lot of golf tournaments through the year where those anybody can try to go qualify for a PGA event. Usually it's called a four spot or there's lots of times there's so many guys playing in it. They turn out to have two golf courses and they're two spotters. The, the, I can honestly tell you this. The only thing that the PGA tour cares less about than the 125th money winner is a guy trying to qualify on Monday. <laughs> I, I'm surprised that they even let them have range balls to go hit. I mean, they couldn't care less. The only people that really like those qualifying guys is your local section that the PGA puts that on. I don't know if y'all know this, but the uh, like the South Central section I'm a member of here, if we were to have a pro event here, there would be a Monday qualifying for four spots. It's who knows what it costs now. It used to cost three hundred dollars back way back when when I did a couple of them. It's probably five to six hundred dollars now that each guy pays to get to play. Hey, this is a gravy train for the section. It is big amounts of money coming to the section that they would never get. So the PGA Tour, that's awful nice of them to let them get a hand in there and get what they can. But other than that, I can promise you nobody cares about it. And, and look, look, my whole point is saying, Woody's spot on with what he's saying. My whole point is that, like, I understand you, you don't want 150 people or how many ever it is hitting off your range, hitting off the mats. I get that. But we have six players, and like I said, they'll hit maybe 15 balls. Two or three of them, maybe five will be drivers. So let's just say 10 balls a person. So 10 times six is 60. You got 60 balls hit. And everyone is qualifying for a PJ Tour event more than likely makes a pretty decent divot pattern. So you're not going to be tearing up the range. I'm just saying, we have six guys going out there. We can't move them five feet further up to hit off the ground. I, I understand. mean, it, it seems a little bush league to me. <laughs> I understand. It just definitely put a burr up your ass. I, and that's cool. <laughs> it, I'm glad, it, it did. I'm, well, I'm, I'm glad it did. To be the, to be the best tour in the world, we have guys hitting off maps. <laughs> I'm just glad that you weren't one of those six guys, Taylor, because you might not even got to go into the playoffs. Connection, you might not right? have They just sent you out to the car. I, w- I would have just threw my balls up on the grass and hit, and they probably would have came out and said, you're DQ'd for being an asshole. So I would have came back and bite, bite me in the ass pretty good. guys did we miss anything today what a great show with scott fur plank and then talking about live chicago and the fortnet championship did we miss anything else going on in the golf world t-dub i as far as i know i don't think we did it's been an excellent show today and like you said just can't thank scott fur plank enough for coming on what a great interview that was and i'm gonna have to go back and and listen to that just to catch everything he said because he threw a lot of a lot of great knowledge and tidbits in there so i'm very excited to go back and listen to to myself or for myself with what are you feeding any donkeys? Uh, you know, I, 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 I 
I got to tell you another real quick story. I went out and I had to mow that field the donkey and the little horses live in. And the donkey was full of piss and vinegar today because I've been feeding him well. And he got so close to my tractor that it scared him. So I jerked and I, I snapped a bolt off. So the stupid ass, I can call him an ass because that's what he is. He calls me now. I got to go to tractor supply and then I got to fix my tractor. So that donkey and I, we just don't get along. <laughs> don't ever. Well, at least you, go ahead. At least you feed. At least you feed him well, Woody. I mean, I don't see how he can't like you when you feed him that well. <laughs> he doesn't. Oh, that's good stuff. Uh, everyone, make sure to go follow at the seventy third hole and at seventy third hole on Twitter and Instagram, and give us a subscribe and a rate and a listen, please. That would really help us out. Uh, also, go follow golfoklahoma.org and get all of your local golf news. And uh, you know, if you need a bank in Oklahoma City, definitely go to Quail Creek Bank, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. That was Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward, and I was Sam Humphreys. Colby Powell joining us as well throughout the show, throughout the interview with Scott Verplank. This has been the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.